Getting older changes our lives in a myriad of ways. Navigating those changes can be difficult, but there are many resources available to help ease the way. Welcome to Route 51. I'm Shireen Seward. We all want to thrive in our later years. We want to stay safe in our homes and live healthy lives. Getting older doesn't have to mean losing our independence, but the best time to plan is before you need help. Today, we'll talk about some of the resources that can help older adults and their families to manage the challenges that emerge as we age. We have two guests with us today to share information about what's available in our local communities to help us out. Cindy Petrusky is the director of the Portage County Aging and Disability Resource Center. Cindy, welcome to Route 51. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. And Leslie Fatilowitz is the Aging and Disability Resource Manager for Chippewa County. Welcome to you as well. Thank you, and I'm very happy to be here also. I want to start by asking you about ADRCs and what they do and, and um, how, how they work. So, uh, Cindy, let's start with you. Um, you're in Portage County. So are ADRCs in every county or select counties? How, how does that all work? Every county in Wisconsin has an Aging and Disability Resource Center. So we are your entry into publicly funded long-term care. Um, you don't get onto family care or IRIS without going through an ADRC first. And we serve seniors, obviously, but we also serve adults with disabilities and offer a variety of different services within the ADRC itself. And I'll focus on those rather than some of the more aging related, but we have things like an elder benefit specialist who can help people with their Medicare, Medicare Part D selections, which is a big deal right now, um, ends this week. So um, disability benefit specialists, when people are going through that initial process to apply for disability, the DBS can be very helpful. We have dementia care specialists. We also have information and assistance specialists who do that functional screening and will provide something we call options counseling to talk about how do you, what do you really need? How do you get what you really need? And what is the best option for you? So Cindy, you said the word IRIS, what, what does that stand for? IRIS is include, respect, I self-direct. It is a self-directed supports program for publicly funded long-term care. Okay. So Leslie, is your organization pretty much the same as Portage County or are there differences between the, the counties and what they have to offer? That's a great question. Actually, there are differences. Um, it can be different based on um, uh, based on other grants that that ADRC has and um, the functions of those grants. It can be just a matter of where you're located within your community. Uh, Cindy, hers is located within a beautiful senior center. So all of the different programs that are available through that senior center are, all, are kind of part of that ADRC. Um, and then just kind of depends on different things that those, AG, those ADRCs are doing. Um, so like some ADRCs might provide transportation where uh, others are just contracting to have transportation services available. It kind of depends on 
whether or not the Aging and Disability Resource Center has um, some of the other uh, traditional aging types of programs like Meals on Wheels or group dining, that type of thing. So um, there are certain things that we all do, and those would be the things like um, Cindy mentioned with options counseling, um, screening for that long-term care programming. We all do have disability benefits specialists. We all provide information and assistance on various types of services that are out there for folks. Um, we all have a dementia care specialist program. So there's similarities and then there are differences as well. What does a dementia care specialist uh, do exactly? Well, a dementia care specialist really functions to help educate our communities about dementia and memory loss and brain health. They also help to educate the staff of an ADRC because one dementia care specialist to serve everybody with dementia in a county is just not enough. And so it's really important that everybody within the ADRC um, understand dementia to be able to provide both the individual who's living with dementia and their care providers, um, often a spouse or children, um, that uh, provide them with the education necessary to really um, have a positive um, experience in that caregiving. Cindy, how are these programs funded or is it kind of a patchwork of different uh, grant funding, federal funding, state funding? How does it all work? Well, in theory, um, the ADRC component is funded entirely through state GPR and through uh, the federal financial um, match system. However, <laughs> there are always differences with that. So um, for instance, in my county, I have, um, I'm what, Leslie and I both are integrated aging and disability resource centers, which means that we are both an ADRC and uh, um, aging unit for the county. So we have Older Americans Act dollars in there as well, which are federal. And then we have grant dollars and donations. And I'm very fortunate. We have a very generous United Way in Portage County and we get a fair amount of money from them. Um, we participate in grants as often as we can. So we are a miss mishmash of different funding streams and multifaceted yes yes and and i'm very lucky in portage county we are very well supported by the county as well we get a fair amount of of county levy in our programs so leslie how do you communicate with the public about all the services that available that are available how do you let people know hey you know if, if you've got questions about resources, this is what we have for you? That's a great question because unfortunately, people don't know about us um, until they're in a situation that they 
are feeling very stressed out about, they feel like they're maybe in a crisis. And we always want people to know about us before they get to that point, but certainly at the point that they get there. So it's really programs like this that helps us to get the word out. It's um, publications that we um, have. It's advertising within other publications, community presentations that we might do for different civic groups, churches, schools, anything like that. Um, various types of events that might be out there, health fairs, caregiver conferences, that sort of thing. Um, and then really word of mouth is another way in which we get the word out. Facebook, mm -hmm. our website. So just all of those different ways in which we can educate the public. And every time you touch another person, you really encourage them to share their experience with other people. Um, sure. Sure. What did I miss there? Because I'm sure I did. Well, I, I just wanted to add into that, that everything that we're doing is also within um, the boundaries of a county government for Leslie and I. We are, I, I'm a standalone county department. Leslie's ADRC is part of Health and Human Services, but we're both in counties. There are some ADRCs out there who might do things even more differently because they are a 501c3 charitable organization or, you know, I mean, so we have, um, if you've seen one ADRC, you've seen one ADRC. We are all different. Okay. So for our listeners who are listening all over the state and they might not be in, in your county, what do you suggest they do to find the, the place closest to them? Do they just Google ADRC Marathon County, for example? I mean, yes. will you always find something? Yes. Okay. Every, all 72 counties have a physical presence of an ADRC. Now there are a few ADRCs that are multi-county for instance, you mentioned Marathon County. So Marathon County is ADRC of Central Wisconsin. And that is Wood, Marathon, Langlade, and Lincoln. No, Langlade and... Yep, it's Lincoln. Oh, yeah, Lincoln. Yeah. Okay. Lincoln County, so... But you wouldn't have to know that. You could just... Right, you just put in Marathon County and you will get the information. Okay. I hear all the time that our population is aging. You know, we read about that a lot in the headlines. Our population is aging. We're getting to be an older society. I mean, our services keeping up, uh, is it more of a struggle now to than it was, say, 10 years ago? So As I, I have a little spiel I'm going to give you because I think this is, Leslie's heard me do this multiple times, but it's really <laughs> important to remember that Many of our programs are 55 and older, correct? So we are dealing with four generations of senior citizens right now. We still have some of the older World War II greatest generation folks. Then we have the silent generation, which is the biggest misnomer of all time, because that is the generation that gives you most of the performers at Woodstock. It gives you the Rolling Stones, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash. These people are all the silent generation. Mm -hmm. Then you get the boomers. The boomers are 1946 to 1964. So the youngest boomers are still in the workforce. 
and won't be 60 until next year. Sure. But we're, for many programs, 55 and older. So now I am working with Gen X. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have four different generations. We would never talk about 20-year-olds and 50-year-olds like they are in the same point at their lives and have right. need the same things. But we do that about 60-year-olds to 90-year-olds all the time. We talk about seniors like they're a single group and they're not. Okay. You know, somebody who's 60 maybe looking for things to do, or they may not because they're still in the workforce. Somebody who's 70, a lot of our volunteers are in their 70s. They're out of the workforce now. Now they're volunteering. Mm -hmm. But that comes with concerns too. So how do we recruit younger people, make it have programming that's of interest to a younger senior, as well as serving the needs of people who are in their 90s? Sure, and sure. people who are in their 70s and 80s. It's amazing sometimes. And, and they don't all want the same things. And they're not all at the same point in their lives or um, have the same interest or concerns. And so kind of like treating them rather than as a group, but as a continuum. Well, we'll hear about some of those services and how you're working with each of those groups. In just a moment, you're listening to Leslie Fajolkowicz and Cindy Petrowski on Route 51, discussing ways to help you and your loved ones stay safe and healthy as they age. I'm Shereen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. Back on Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio, I'm Shereen Seward. Leslie Fajolkowicz and Cindy Petrowski are our guests today with suggestions to help us age gracefully and stay safe and healthy in the process. What are some of the biggest concerns as we age? What should we be, you know, what are we most worried about as we're getting older? Leslie, let's start with you. Well, I think that, I think one of the things that um, we often see our individuals who have not um, made, had had their advanced directives taken in and completed. So things like their power of attorney for finances, their power of attorney for healthcare. It is so incredibly important that if you have not taken care of that, you take care of that today or this week because we don't know what the future holds. And there is just nothing more devastating than to have families um, dealing with the challenges that the individual that they care about is going through and then not having the ability to um, make decisions on behalf of that person because these documents have not been completed. Um, a lot of people are don't understand that we are not of next of kin state, which means that if something happens and I don't have the documents in place, my family does not get to make decisions for me. See, I didn't know that. So what does that mean then? What happens? It, it means that it could mean that a guardianship would have to be done. 
And that can be expensive. It can be very stressful for a family and they're already going through the stress of whatever that loved one is going through. So getting these taken it, taken care of in advance, uh, it's just so important because none of us know what the future holds. Boy, that's for but, sure. And honestly, it's easy to download the power of attorney forms from the state of Wisconsin. You, you just Google Wisconsin power of attorney finance and power of attorney healthcare, and you do need both. Um, for instance, a public the power of attorney for healthcare can make healthcare decisions for you, but they can't enroll you in publicly funded long-term care because that's a financially based program that includes Medicaid. So your power of attorney for finance has to be the one to enroll you. Um, this is a fairly recent change in the state, but it is what it is at the time. And um, so it's can, not you easy. can you can get those those forms online. Can you just can you just do it? Uh, you can fill it out, and you need to get them notarized. Okay, so that's really the rub. You just have to you know where find a, a somebody a bank, that does. come to an ADRC. Well, my ADRC has a notary. I don't know if everyone does, but okay. All right, but that's really that's really the size of it. You just have to have that done. It is not complicated, and it's just so important. If you want things to go the way you want them to when you can't make those decisions, then um, then you have to have these in place. And don't you know? Don't say my family knows what I want. Your family doesn't have the right to make those decisions. So. That's that's mm -hmm. a huge takeaway. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think that's yeah. really important. I, I I had I had no idea. I mean, and that's one of those things. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to talk about dying, or it's hard to talk about you know, something's going to perhaps happen to us, and and we're going to be incapacitated. Nobody likes to talk about those things, right? But uh, but boy, when it happens, it's you know it's awful. What about wills and trusts? I mean, I mean, is that is it important to get legal advice on these things? Uh, what's yes. available for people? Yes. Okay. Definitely, if you're doing a will or a trust, you want to go to an attorney to to work on that. We're not able to help people with that. We can download the power of attorney information for them, and it is really pretty straightforward and and easy to understand to do but um if you need a trust here's here's an important piece of getting a trust if you may need publicly funded long-term care you need to get an irrevocable trust if you have a revocable trust it's still an asset remember that What's the difference between the two? A revocable, you can change your mind and take the money back and you would have all that money back in your possession to okay. do with what you want. So if you may need to qualify for Medicaid, do an irrevocable trust. Are there resources out there uh, for legal assistance for people who want to get these things done? Are you aware of, like, is there a Judicare or, you know, some somebody that can help people who don't have a lot of money but want to make sure that they protect what they have? And, you know, it's kind of scary thinking about, can I afford an attorney? Well, <laughs> that is a, a million-dollar question. I think it is sort of, um, you know, I will say in Chippewa County, we do have um, a free legal clinic 
once a month. And I mean, they're not going to help people draft all of these documents and stuff like that, but they can provide some basic legal guidance on some different types of things. Um, some of the other things that are going to be available are going to like the Judicare and stuff. Those are going to be more income, income based. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Wait, okay. off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember some other resources. For referral purposes, there's also the Elder Law Center. Oh, and okay. the they also run a guardianship center out of that program. Okay. So good. they can can refer you to uh, resources that specialize in those things. How hard is it to navigate the whole Medicare system? I mean, it, and figure out what do I need? What do I need to enroll for? I mean, it, is this a complicated thing? And are there resources available for people who are just getting into it and really need to get started? It is complicated. Um you know, there's Medicare Part A, Part B, Part C, and Part D. Um, so it, there's a lot of moving pieces in this. And there is financial help if you are lower income. And so you can help pay for some of those costs. But we actually offer monthly, other than during Medicare Part D season, um, a welcome to Medicare class. Oh, okay. It goes through this with people. And I know, I, I don't know that everyone does it, but I know that many other ADRCs have this as well because it is complicated. And the elder benefits specialists, that's their job. They know it cold. They can explain all four pieces of it. And they can explain, a lot of people don't realize that no matter what, you are paying for Medicare Part A and B mm -hmm. once you qualify for those programs. And then, you know, a, a benefit specialist can talk to you about things like senior care as an alternative to Medicare Part D. Okay. Um, which is a, it's a tr only a Wisconsin program. It's only available here um, and it can help people with Medicare. Less around Medicare. I was just going to say one of my, um, well, my my disability benefits specialists and my elder benefits specialists both say you are never too young to learn about Medicare mm -hmm. because even if you yourself are not on Medicare, you have somebody in your life that you care about greatly that does have Medicare, and it's complicated. And I'm not going to say it, it gets comp more complicated every year, but that's probably not an inaccurate statement either. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so every ADRC does have um, people who know about, every county has somebody, uh, an elder benefit specialist, disability benefit specialist who understand Medicare. And so it would be really important to um, to participate in those Medicare, welcome to Medicare classes. I I am certain if you don't have one in your county, there are counties across the state who offer them. We offer it twice a month and um, we have people from other counties that come to them and we have them virtual too. So it's just an important thing because you really, um, it's it's never too early. 
Well, and and like okay, in my my case, my my mom, um, my my stepdad died uh, some time ago, and and now I'm caring for my mom, and they already made these decisions on what they wanted for their Medicare. And I don't know. I mean, now she's not capable of making decisions moving forward. So I'm trying to navigate. Uh, what do, do I have to redo it? Do I have to renew everything every year? Do I have to? What do I have to do? I mean, so for people like me, um, you, you know, who do I call for questions with uh, with questions about this? I mean, do I call the ADRC and say, hey, I I I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and if you need to do that, do that really, really soon because mm -hmm. open enrollment ends this week. So yes. we want to get as many people done as possible. And the reason that you have to look at, and it's particularly Medicare Part D every year, and problem. that can impact C. So it, the Advantage plans will include, it kind of rolls everything together, the C group does mm -hmm. um so you're either c or d and the formularies for those plans change annually they do okay they do and so something that you had covered for five years is dropped off a list and now your medication isn't covered so at my ADRC during Medicare Part D season, we call it a season, mm -hmm. uh, we will sit down with people and go through their med list and come up with the plan, the plans in their area where they live that will cover their physician, their pharmacy, and the medications that they need. And we give them the list and they make their choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's important to do. And it's important to do it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now it's well, almost too late because the, the, sure. the appointments are pretty well yeah. booked out, et cetera. But um, yep. I yeah, will, I will say that it's not terribly difficult if you're savvy with a computer to go mm -hmm. online to the Medicare website and um and start that. The only thing is, is if there's no, if you don't know what the password is or anything like mm -hmm. that, um, or the log login information, that could be problematic if you're not sure. But I would say check out the website for the Medicare.gov. It's yes. not a difficult one. I'm not particularly tech savvy, and mm -hmm. I do it for like three different people in my family. Good. Good to know. When it comes to getting older, many people want to live at home. They want to live at home as long as they as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges to that? I mean, from I know some of it is social isolation, but some of it is safety stuff. So, um, yeah. you know, what, what what should we be thinking about either for ourselves or for a loved one when we're trying to stay at home? Cindy, well, start with you. Oh. Sure. Well, there's two two things here. The, the most important is their physical safety. If this is a person who's having lots of falls, et cetera, you know, they, they're not thriving on their own, living at home alone, you may need a little more attention. But in my opinion, the most important thing that can happen to help seniors live at home longer is if physicians would stop saying you need to go to assisted living. Really? Mm-hmm. 
it happens a lot. And then people come in because they can't really afford the assisted living. And then they find out, oh, there's home health. Not that there's not a home health care shortage. There is, mm -hmm. but there is home health. And there are ways around that. And nine out of 10 seniors are going to tell you, I want to stay in my home, whether their home is an apartment or a house or a mobile home, they want to stay in their home. I so, hear that a lot from, from the older people in my life. They want to be at home. They want to be at home with their cat or their dog or their, uh, you know, and, just their, their, their things. Their, their, there are their, things that can be done to help people with that and help it be successful. We have falls prevention classes. Every county in the state offers a falls prevention class okay. multiple times during the year. Um, so that, you know, you, they can learn about how to be safe at home. And those classes are taught by trained volunteers, and then they have different specialists come in for each session. We have physical therapists, law enforcement, um, just a wide variety of, of community professionals who come in and talk to them about how they can stay safe at home longer and work on the falling piece. Well, and um, falling is really, uh, I mean, it, there are so many falls. Listening to the scanner all day long, all you hear is fall, falls. Oh, it's the, it's, 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 in Portage uh, County, it's the number one ambulance call. I believe it. I believe so it. Leslie, we, you want to build on this too? I mean, what what can what can people do to stay in their homes and make sure that they are safe, especially let's say they, they can't go to a falls prevention class. They can't, you know, they're, it's already past that point. They're, they're at home. Uh, what, what can the family do to make sure that that house is, is safe? Certainly they can, you know, I'm sure you can go online and you can find any number of, you know, in-home safety assessment types of things, taking a look at what what simple modifications can be done to to um, make things safer for the individual? Is there a way to move some furniture around? Remove some furniture sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole throw rugs because that's uh, that tends to just kind of be a rabbit hole anyway. But um, um, but there are just a lot of simple things that can be done within a home to help, um, to help make it a little bit safer, you know, grab bars in the bathroom, um, trying to think oh, of, like making sure uh, that there are smoke detectors and CO detectors, you know, those right, kinds of, right. yeah. And, and things like a personal emergency response <laughs> system, right. You know, the old I've fallen and I can't get up is because of this. So yeah. Um, like there's a, a number of varieties of those, even for people who have dementia living on their own there in many counties, there's things like project lifesaver where they wear a band and if they wander away, they can be tracked using radio signal. Oh, okay. Um, so there are a lot of programs out there. And one of the, the ones that I know Leslie and I both run is, uh, meals on wheels or home delivered meal program. Mm -hmm. And that provides eyes on the, the person receiving, receiving the meal, however many days a week it is delivered to them. So it's really, it's not just about getting that food. It's no. about making sure that somebody is, is seeing, physically seeing. Check. Yes. It's a safety check every time 
the person is seen. With those personal emergency response systems, they also come with um, the ability to determine if somebody has actually fallen. Mm -hmm. So not that they can, you know, not just um, that they, um, you push the button, but it can also, if you get certain types of systems, they can detect that a fall has happened and can automatically make that call. So there are different systems out there to look at to determine which one's the best one. There are also medication minder types of things um, that can help increase somebody's safety at home. Absolutely. Leslie Patulkowitz and Cindy Petrusky, our guests today on WPR, discussing community resources available as we grow older. I'm Shereen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. We're back on Route 51. I'm Shereen Seward. Cindy Petrusky and Leslie Fajilikowicz are with us discussing resources available to us as we age and information we can use to stay safe and healthy. Leslie, we're all getting older. How can we prepare? How can we best get ready for what's in front of us? I think it's important to just recognize when you're starting to not be able to keep up with things. Um, and not waiting until things get really bad. So if you have, and I realize some people don't have a little bit of a rainy day fund, but if you have a little bit of a rainy day fund, so when you start to realize I'm not keeping up with my cleaning, maybe pay somebody to come in once a week or twice a month or something like that. It you know, if you start out sooner, that money will actually last you longer because you can probably go a much longer time if you have somebody who's doing a little bit of that cleaning for you. Because when papers get left on the floor or things get cluttered, people trip and then they fall, they get, you know, hurt, they end up in a nursing home. And then the money goes by, goes you go through your money very quickly. So just trying to think about the little things that you need some help with and, you know, spending that money slowly over time can really maybe totally avert the need for those more expensive types of services that come along. Cindy, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you, what do you think people need to do now? Honestly, I think it's important for people to do some planning ahead and thinking about what do we want? Where do we want to age? Is this realistic? What are compromises we're going to have to make as we get older? Because things that you can do in your 50s and maybe into your 60s may change in your 70s after you've had, you know, both knees replaced or a hip replaced or you know, so kind of thinking ahead in terms of what what realistically do I need to make happen so that I can remain here? And then financially, how do we make that work? Um, and, and I understand not everybody has savings or has much of savings. So that it's makes hard. it really hard. I mean, we have women in Portage County who they're only... Um, income is a survivor benefit. And so they're at less than $500 a month. And that's what they're living on. That's it. That's it. 
And so, you know, we can't make their money grow. Um, we provide services and step in where we can, um, but it, it does become very difficult. And I know um, housing becomes more of an issue as we get older. They People want to stay in their homes. We want them to stay in their homes. We do what we can to help um, keep that up. But if you have no savings and your roof is leaking, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the you know options that you have? And if you have to move, where can you afford to move? And affordable housing for seniors in our community is few and far between. There's just not enough of it. Is that the case throughout the state, you think? I, I mean, is it? The majority of the state, I would say that is true. Mm-hmm. And I would say that when there is openings, it's typically going to be in a, you know, in housing in a small rural community where there's no public transportation of any kind. And so they end up having to go to one of these smaller rural places that maybe isn't the town they lived in, um, but it's the only place where that subsidized housing has an opening and then they have to wait for an opening elsewhere. So um, it can be challenging and it is challenging across the state. I mean, that's one of the things we hear about all the time in our state meetings is the the lack of affordable housing. And that's not just for older people, but that's for people with disabilities. And that's kind of for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cindy, earlier you, t- you talked about um, how important you think it is for doctors to stop saying you need to go into assisted living. So what are some other things that we can do to make sure that we don't have to go into assisted living? What, I mean, what's available to us to, to, to make sure that we're, we're getting the care that we need and getting the services we need and living safely? Um, I think one of the best referrals they could make would be to an ADRC for someone who is starting to have issues and just say, let's look at what services might be available for you. And I think that would be a very helpful place to start. Um, Obviously, not everyone needs us, but for people who don't have family who can help them with investigating what the options are in their community or who have um, unlimited means to pay for things, this is a way to help get people started. Um, And the sooner we do it, the less likely they are to need to go into publicly funded long-term care. Or we know that working with an ADRC will um, reduces entrance to publicly funded long-term care, and it also eliminates hospital stays. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things I can send you the <laughs> the documents for that. Yeah. I mean, it's really very interesting in terms of what is out there. And I know it's hard in rural communities where there's not maybe quite as much, but there are still things in in rural communities. So, you know, you need to to see what might be available where you are. And I I think the ADRCs are a great place to start with that. Leslie, what do you think about uh, resources for families or individuals who are coping with um, 
dealing with an aging loved one who wants to live at home and they're struggling with you know managing all of their care managing all their finances uh, what kind of resources uh, are out there for those those family members well i will say that every aging and disability resource center has somebody probably has at least a couple people that are living in that same situation. Um, it's just not an uncommon thing anymore. And so there's just a lot of understanding of what um, what they're dealing with. And so having that type of support and being able to talk to folks, there's also a lot of caregiver support groups, virtual support groups. There might be some caregiver support groups that are in person within the community. Um, certainly they're growing, you know, they're in numbers. I think um, I think it's important for everybody to sort of get on the same page. And I know this isn't gonna be a popular thing to say, but I'm gonna say it, and that is, it's hard, and I know this firsthand because, you know, as a person, as a caregiver for my father until he passed away this last year, I don't always agree with the decisions he made, but he had a right to make those decisions. And I didn't have to like him, but I had to try to be supportive. Uh, you know, he he wanted to live at home. He knew the risks of being there. What could we do with my siblings and I? What could we do to help make things a little bit safer for him longer? And then try to implement some of those things like maybe, you know, something simple, just like the, you know, the grab bars and stuff like that. Um, some, maybe some different types of furniture that were, that was a little bit better. Finding a way as far as his medications, communicating with his doctor, about those things. Um, so I think it's really just having those tough conversations and just finding out what is it that they want? What are the, what's the real concern that you have? You know, how can I increase my comfort level as your loved one while still respecting your right to make those decisions? Because for some people, it truly is worth the risk. Oh, it's interesting because the weeks after Thanksgiving and Christmas are some of our busiest weeks because yeah. uh, kids were home, the mom and dad in their environment, and they're like, this is not how my mother keeps her house. This is not how my dad um keeps his tools, whatever. And so it triggers things for people. And we get a lot of phone calls the week after Thanksgiving and the week after Christmas. Oh, I bet. We, we like that. Don't we, we do. We, we do. Like and that. it's important. Yes. Um, yeah. And we do have other caregiver programs. There's a, um, every county in the state has a national family caregiver support program funding uh, usually supports a person who provides caregiver supports and can do one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, there's an Alzheimer's family caregiver support program as well. That's entirely state funded um, where we can help people um, pay for respite. Um, respite is a big deal for caregivers. You know, you cannot be on caregiving duty 24 seven and 
we know that statistically the caregiver is as likely to pass away as the care recipient because very often we're talking about an 82 year old man taking care of his 80 year old wife with dementia um, and it's a lot uh, physically it is very demanding and I think one, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say one of the things too, that it's very isolating, particularly with the dementia. Um, and that's because families oftentimes, especially with the spouse situation, family members and friends are uncomfortable when they don't understand dementia. And so they tend to not visit as often, or they might um, just be very uncomfortable, not knowing what to do, what to say, and not wanting to, to do anything wrong. Um, and so they don't sometimes visit as often, which can be more socially isolating for that caregiver. And um, it just increases their stress, which as Cindy pointed out, you know, stress caregiving can be very stressful for folks, especially if they're not feeling supported and therefore um, their risk of passing away before the person they're caring for is, is pretty high. Yeah, that's a, that's a very real fear then. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, I was just going to say one of the things that Cindy didn't mention as far as um, things that people can do and that's participating in the various health promotion programs that are out there. Those programs offered both virtually or in person, you know, really are so valuable in terms of helping people improve their ability to do things for themselves. You know, there are programs out there that um, can really um, increase a person's strength, flexibility, and um, balance, thereby reducing their risk of falls. There are programs that can help reduce the stress for caregivers, individuals who have diabetes, helping to manage their diabetes, um, those who have chronic pain, helping to manage their chronic pain, or any other type of long-term illness that they might be experiencing. And those are just four different types of programs. There just are a multitude of programs out there, not just offered by the ADRC, but oftentimes offered by the healthcare facility that, that you go to um, or the healthcare agency. So can an Our ADRC tools. help us find those? Can, can you help us find yes. some of those for, um, you yes. know? Okay. In fact, we offer many of those programs. Powerful Tools for Caregivers is the one that comes immediately to mind, but there's also Healthy Living with Diabetes and Living well um, with chronic conditions, Stepping living. On and Falls Prevention. There's lots of different programs. And um, the, the important thing when we're talking about caregivers is with the powerful tools for caregivers, it's like being on the airplane when they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on first mm -hmm. before you put it on the other person. Um, that is one of the things that people can get out of that class is how do I take care of myself so that I can take care of my loved one. So it sounds like there's a lot of help out there. Um, there's a lot of information out there. Um, that's really just a phone call away. Most definitely. I'm curious, what do you find 
the most inspiring about the job that you do? I mean, why do you do what you do? It's got to be so challenging. I, I don't know. I want to ask each of you that. So, Cindy, what about you? Um, I actually say this quite often. I have the best job in Portage County. Every day, seniors are fed, transported, active, engaged, and valued. And what could be better than that? You know, well, I mean, yeah. it's it's amazing what we do here. And I'm lucky I have a senior center as part of the programming. And so we have people here playing bridge or square dancing or making ornaments. You name it, we do it. And what about you, Leslie? What is it that, that you find so much joy in with your job? And I can see it in your face when I talk to you that, that you love this work. I do love this work. I think that, well, I think that just hearing the stories from my staff, you know, hearing about the the individual that our elder benefit specialist was able to save $700 a month or $1,200 a year in their, in their medication costs. Um, hearing about somebody who didn't have to go to a nursing home because all they needed was a little bit of help with their housekeeping and we were able to provide something there. Somebody who was able to stay at home with Meals on Wheels, the caregiver who now understands, you know, that the individual that has dementia is just doing the best they can. And um, I have the best job in Chippewa County. You know, <laughs> Cindy has the best job in Portage County. I have the best job in Chippewa County. Well, thank you for doing what you do. And thanks for sharing this. I, I learned a lot today and I, I, I know our listeners did as well. So this is Route 51. I'm Shereen Seward. Extending one more time a sincere thanks to our guests, Leslie Pajolkowitz and Cindy Petrowski. Our producers are Joy Ratch-Kramer and Ezra Wall. Our executive producer is Ezra Wall, who is also our on-air producer today. Thanks to John Altenberg for the Route 51 theme. You can hear the archive of today's program and our previous programs at WPR.org Route 51 and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Wisconsin Public Radio. Mm-hmm.